Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So Ezra and Nehemiah, I'm not even about to try to preach the context and the history of these two books. Matter of fact, I am going to share a couple things with you, but this is a lot a lot of information. I can't do that. So I'm going to preach something. I feel like the Lord just gave me a word to preach on this, about this. And what I want to encourage you to do is in your hope site or in your small group that you break down the information's out in the lobby, all the handouts we have. They're broken down for you. They're wonderful addendums that you can add with your study. Great Bible study tools to help you understand what's going on in this time and in this era. What I'm going to talk to you today about is this, and that's rebuilding. Ezra and Nehemiah were all about rebuilding. Now, I don't know if you've ever rebuilt something, but rebuilding is different than constructing. You got what I'm talking about? To rebuild something, it says that something was already there, but it got broken. You had to fix it. To construct something out of nothing, it means you got a blank canvas. Like if you're painting a blank canvas, it's always easier to paint on than somebody that's already done something. You got to read, you know, kind of adjust what they messed up. I'll give you a little illustration. When I was 16, my first car was a Camaro. I told you a little bit about this car before. And um, I guess the Lord just helped me and saved my life. That's why I had it. But um, somebody wanted to trade me one time for this old, like, uh, Impala or something like that. No, it wasn't Impala. It was a Chevelle. Man, this thing was a hot rod. I mean, he had, like, an engine. It's like, bad. Man. He wanted something better on gas. I had a little four-cylinder pump. I think it was blown one cylinder already. I think it was a three-cylinder is what it was. Camaro. Who puts a four-cylinder Camaro? I don't even understand that. But I'd had it. And, and my uncle taught me out. He said, you know, no, no, you don't need that car. You don't need the car. You got better gas mileage. You got, so I got a blown, I got, I got a four-cylinder Camaro run on three cylinders. Man, I need that car. That thing sounds cool. It's red. And I'm like, man, I'll be something. I think he saw, like, this boy does not need. He don't need that. Better keep him in the four-cylinder Camaro that runs on three. That's, that's what he did. But, I, but I, it finally, it quit working. I don't know if it threw a, a valve or, or a rocker arm, whatever the thing is that makes it start. I mean, it started running worse. <laughs> like this. And I'm going down the road like, oh, man, it's so embarrassing. But when you're 16, you don't care, man. You're just glad that you got some wheels. <laughs> you're pulling the thing that's still, you're trying to turn it off. You smile at your face. Sorry, it'll be done in a minute. You know, you just, you don't care because you got your own car. But I pulled, finally quit running. I finally, my uncle let me pull up into his, his little garage. And he said, what you're going to have to do is break this thing down. He said, we can kind of fix this. I think we can fix it. I got started when he wasn't there. I had this engine. When he said break it down, I broke it down. Like, I stuff everywhere. Grease, tools. I mean, I think I, I lost a tool in the engine. I don't know. It's stuff everywhere. He looks at me and he says, son, what have you done? So I thought we was going to fix it, rebuild it, you know. He said, man, I didn't know where to start. And so I'm here with my Camaro that was a four-cylinder runs on three. It's skipping like crazy. I thought we was going to rebuild it. And finally he looks at me and just says, best thing you can do is sell this thing now. I bought it for 500, sold it for 250 to a mechanic and bought another car. It was easier to buy another car than to try to fix the mess that I was in there. And that's true in life. And it's true in the things you see in the Bible. <clears throat> it's always easier to buy new than it is to fix something that's old. When you remodel something, rebuild something, it's always tough because you're having to move stuff around that was already there to accommodate what you want to do now. And Ezra and Nehemiah were rebuilding. And very much like today, right now, we are rebuilding. 
you're rebuilding your life spiritually. Now, Ezra was helping, they, they rebuilt the temple. He rebuilt the word of God in people's lives. Nehemiah came and rebuilt the walls. But nonetheless, we're rebuilding today spiritual temples, spiritual walls, because we have, in a sense, because of what happened in 2020, had to face some things in our lives and go, there's some things that are just not working. Things in church wasn't working. Things in our own lives not working. And when all that kind of stuff got brought down, you have to look around and say, well, what do we, man, what, what's left? Well, this is where we start with. So let me give you this from Ezra, Ezra chapter 1. And so I'm going to read you a couple of verses of Scripture here. From Ezra 1, verse 1. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Now, here's why I'll tell you this. I don't, I don't have time to get into a lot of this, but Jeremiah is in your Bible. It's going to be after the book of Ezra. A few books over. In the, the best way I can say this to you is think about the Bible as stacked versus table of contents. We read it like we do a book. That, you can't read the Bible like a book. It's stacked. There's people in the Bible, let me give you this, this word, Jeremiah gave this word, and listen to this, Jeremiah uh, <clears throat> 29 verse 10, it says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Jeremiah prophesied this, that Israel would return after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, yet in your Bible, Jeremiah's on this side of the table of contents, but in history, it's on this side of the timeline. They put these things in order to help you, kind of, but the problem is they're kind of out of sync. So when you read about Jeremiah, you read about these areas in Babylon, you think, well, where's Babylon? What is that? Well, Babylon is Iraq. It'd be like Baghdad, right outside of Baghdad. As a matter of fact, from Saddam Hussein's uh, palace, you can actually see the ruins of Babylon, some of the ruins. That's where it would have been. And 200 years before Ezra, I'm going to give you something else here, but 200 years before Ezra, Isaiah prophesied about Cyrus and what he would do. Isaiah's on the right side of the table of contents, but he's on the left side of history. It's crazy, man. But this is what Isaiah said, 44 verse 28. It is I who says of Cyrus. Now, you don't think God, listen to me very carefully. If you don't think God can work through somebody, you better pray for your leaders. Don't you think that God can't move through somebody that you think, oh, no, 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 he'll never, no, no, no. If the Lord says the, the, the heart of the king is in the hand and he can turn it whichever way he wants, man, don't you believe that God says, well, I can't do anything with America. I can't do anything because these people are, oh, no, no, no. I pray to God every one of them hit their face before God that the glory of the Lord hit the Congress to the point that they bow on their face before God. Quit thinking that God can't move. Oh, he can't move in these people. Yes, he can. No wonder he can't move. We sit back and go, oh, he can't do anything. He can do stuff if we'll pray for him. I mean, I never understood this as a Christian, why you won't pray for the people you don't like. I pray for them more. My goodness. So he says this, I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he'll perform all my desire. He declares of Jerusalem, she will be built and of the temple your foundation will be laid. It's amazing to me. All these people prophesied and here this stuff began to happen. All because God put it in there. But if, when you read your Bible, if you read to the right of the table of contents, you'll be like, well, I don't understand this. It's because the Bible, and especially Ezra, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, uh, uh, go, go through those Haggai, go through some others, Chronicles, some of the Psalms even. They're not like boom, 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 boom. Some of them are like this. 
They stack. So when you read them, you get confused if you don't understand. They're not separated. It's like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're brought together in a sense. At the end of Daniel 6, when the lion den, the story of Daniel and the lion's den, that's Daniel. This happened about 10 years before Cyrus is king. So Daniel would have been alive. He's just an older man, but he'd have been around. Esther, more than likely, most people believe she was the stepmother of the guy that let them go in and do some other work in, in Nehemiah's day. These people are all throughout. But if you read Ezra, you think he's the only guy there. Nehemiah was the only guy there. It's not how it works. So Ezra gives us the first part of the rebuilding of the temple. And Nehemiah gives us the second part, rebuilding of the walls. And in the middle, you have Zerubbabel who's building the temple. He's the governor. Now, in the same way, when I say this to you, it is much easier when you're going to rebuild something. It is much easier to build a belief system in someone who doesn't know Christ when they come to Christ for the first time than it is to tear down a stronghold and someone who already knows everything. You got what I'm saying? Like, I'd much rather get in a room with people who say, I'm, I'm good, Pastor Joe, just teach, just preach to me. I, I don't know nothing. You know why? Because they know nothing. The brakes are off. But oh my goodness gracious, you get around a bunch of Christians who've been there, done that. Uh, man, it's like, just give me five minutes. But you can feel it. Like when you preach, you can feel it. Every time somebody taps the brakes, like, eh, what about that? Ain't what I heard on TV. And not what the guy on TV said. Good grief. I want to say, do you, uh, it, it's just crazy. It's easier to start new. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what is a stronghold? A stronghold can also be called a fortress. It's a place of safety and protection. And this is exactly what the temple was for the Jews and the walls around Jerusalem. So when Nebuchadnezzar came in, little little, little, little side story here, Daniel, right? He's in his time period, but now we got like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those boys in the fire? Nebuchadnezzar is the guy that come in, destroyed the temple. He took down the walls. He just, he ransacked everything, took all of the Jews into Babylonian captivity. Then you hear the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but what did he do? He tore down their stronghold. What happened to us in 2020? All of a sudden, anything that you thought you had built that was strength for you, whew, anything you thought, oh, we're America, we're safe from anything. Oh, here comes a pandemic too. Whoa, whoa I thought this just happened over in Asia somewhere. Well, how come it ain't supposed to happen to us? Whew. Governmental stuff. Whew. Things that we think, oh, no, that stuff's old and it's gone. Ethnicity stuff and racial issues. No, 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 we don't have any of those problems anymore. Woo! Issues of authority, law enforcement, everything else. Woo! Why? Because you think God's going to let us walk around and build up our own walls and build up our own towers and say we're strong behind what we built? No, no, no. He's going to shake it down till we get back to the foundations of what he called us to, which is him and him alone. And that is the truth. And what happens is when you rebuild something very much like Ezra, watch this is what happened. This is why you got to be careful now. If you've been around church, now I told you I've been around long enough to put the TVs in over there. 
as about as 1999. I went to college in 2000. I came back and we just moved some TVs around, and kept using them. I mean, I mean, we've used them for 20 plus years. So I've been around here long enough. So if you've been around long enough, 20 plus years or more in Christianity, this is what you've got to be careful of when you rebuild. Ezra 3.12 says, but many of the older priests, the Levites and other leaders, I'm putting myself in that category, even though I ain't old. <clears throat> the others, however, they, they, they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation because Solomon's was so grand, but Zerubbabel's was much smaller. They wept. The others, however, were shouting for joy. And the joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that couldn't be heard in the far distance. You got one group who's older, it's like, oh man, it's not what it used to be. And you got one group that's new that says, I never saw what it used to be. I just see what God's doing now. This is why you ought to mingle around with some younger people, because guess what? They don't know what it's like 20 years ago. We talk about things like, I remember when God did this. Well, they don't know anything about that. And you can say it all day long, but they're looking at what God's doing now, that's where God is. He's not back. And let me just tell you something. You remember back 20 years ago, let me just tell you what was going on. If, how many guys were serving Jesus 20 years ago? Raise your hand. At least, at least 20. Longer than 20. Okay. Y'all, anybody who said, I don't know if I was serving Jesus. If you're under the age of 20, you probably won't remember this. We used to have something called transparency ministry. Nobody remembers that, do you? Until I tell you what it was. Somebody was on the worship ministry. You know what they did? They sat in a chair and a transparency machine sat right here. And we didn't have all this, but it shone up on the screens. And their job was to make sure that we flipped the words in time before the next verse because we was too cool for hymn books anymore. We can't, we can't sing from hymn books. That's old fashioned. We're going to transparency, baby. Ministry. And it was great until she didn't move her finger. And all you saw was like, is that Jesus or is that Joe? I don't know what I'm singing anymore. Can you move your hand? Or she didn't line it up right and it was crooked. And everybody's singing like this. Transparency ministry. Y'all don't remember that? They were so disappointed when we went to projection systems like this because like, what do I do now? My gift of moving the paper is gone. I remember back when we used to, as ushers, everybody had to ma wear matching coats. Matching sport coats, baby. And it had to be green. This is at our church. Green ones, which you name tag right here in a pocket full of peppermints, baby. <laughs> mess with the green coats. Don't mess with the green coats. You know why they did it? I'm not picking because I had to wear one, two, one, two. You know why? Because somebody else was doing it. Preachers used to wear Hawaiian shirts. That went on for a while. Because why? Because Rick Warren wrote a book that was real popular. Second largest book, I mean, ever sold outside the Bible. He wore Hawaiian shirts. So all the preachers thought, well, if Rick's doing it, baby, it must be anointing. So we all wore Hawaiian shirts. See, I remember all that stuff. And we talk about stuff in the past like, oh, it was so great. It was so great. No, it wasn't. It wasn't so great. People still thought Christians were still babies. And we still had to deal with junk just like we do right now. The only difference is now is this. Y'all don't have to look at a bunch of green coats. We don't have to match. I mean, y'all remember those guys in the worship? We used to try to coordinate because Hillsong was pastel Easter colors. So we would do the same thing because Hillsong did it. I'm just being like, we, I did this say we did this. It wasn't anointed. It was just culture. That's all it was. And I'm telling you, that stuff in the past, it's just the past. God isn't moving in pastel Easter colors anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Ain't no matter if you wear it, but I'm just saying not organized on the place. They wear whatever they want to wear. Thank God the ushers don't have, I don't have to buy them nasty coats and get them cleaned and wear. Thank God for all that. But we talk about that stuff sometimes. 
And younger people hear it and think, well, I must be missing out. We talk about what it used to be as if we ought to elevate it to the place of glory. But there's something I want to read to you. And this is out of Haggai. Haggai, Haggai, however you want to say it. Listen to this. Before we keep talking about what's in the past, better listen to what Mr. Haggai said. Then October 17th of the same year, listen to this. The Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. This is why I tell you your Bible stacked. Who's he talking about right here? He's talking to Zerubbabel. I thought he's over in Ezra. Well, he is. Your Bible's not table of contents. It's a beautiful book. Say this to the Zerubbabel, son of Shilatel, the governor of Judah, and to the Jeshua, the, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And watch this, to the remnant of God's people there in the land. You know what a remnant is? It's a small beginning. It's a small restart. You don't need everybody. You don't need thousands of people. All you need is the remnant. God always calls the remnant to rebegin his work. And so he says, you tell this to the ones that are there. By the way, let me just say this in Babylon. When they were given permission to go back, not everybody went back to Jerusalem. Some people were so comfortable in the last year they had. What's the point? I'm enjoying myself, baby. It's Babylon. So they stayed where they were at and decided not to return. Whether online or in person, don't matter to me. They said, I, I, you know what? That serving Jesus stuff's too hard. I'll let y'all rebuild, and then I'll come back when all the party's over. I'll come back when it's time to have fun. That's what went on. I'll leave it alone. Anyway, but verse four, it says, now the Lord says, he says, does anyone remember this house? Verse three, this temple in its former splendor. Listen to what he says. Be careful what you talk about in the past. Does anybody remember this house? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. This is the Lord talking. Verse four, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, the remnant. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. See, this was the second exodus. The first one was Egypt. The second one was coming out of Babylon. But it doesn't matter how many people are with you. The Lord's with you. It doesn't matter to me if there's just two. If there's one or two, he said if two or three in my name get together, guess who's there? Jesus. But we like to think, well, 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 well we need all. No, you just need Jesus. And he says this, watch. This In a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. We thought we were just like this little protected, but we're Christian nation. We just, why weren't we fooled? Well, I guess I opened for us. I thought we was all Christian. No, we just talk about it. But it don't mean we are. <clears throat> He said, I'll shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple, which did happen, by the way. Babylon actually sent all the things that they stole from the temple of Nebuchadnezzar. This king sent it all back. But anyway, you could take that a different way if you want. But he says, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Watch this. Verse 9. Though it's a smaller group, a smaller temple, smaller platform. We've rebuilt smaller. Watch this. What do he say, though? But the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. But what do we do? We like to talk, oh, back when I remember when, oh man, the Lord was really moving. You should shut your mouth talking like that. Because everybody else that's younger that wasn't there, they hear, I guess we're missing out and I guess God's not really with us. Let me tell you right now, he's with us 
as much right now as he was 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, there was a group of people that said, well, 20 years ago, it was something then because Billy Graham was preaching. Woo, Billy. And then after that, they said it was somebody else. And before that, it was somebody else. And listen, I'm just telling you right now, God uses people, but he doesn't sit back in the past. He's moving on ahead in the future. And he says, the Lord of heaven's army, and in this place, I'll bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. You got to look ahead to what God is doing more than what he has done. He's got plans. He's not done. He's not finished yet. He's not finished with you, and he's not finished with me. And he certainly is not looking at this next generation saying, well, they just won't have it as good. He said the glory will be better in the new than it was in the former. Don't be deceived by big fancy temples that built by Solomon because Zerubbabel built a building, and guess who walked on the temple steps in that one? Do you remember a man named Jesus? Listen, it might not have been Herod built around all this other stuff, but that thing was still there. And Jesus walked up on the temple steps. He was dedicated in this temple by the priests. He was taught and questioned the scribes and the Pharisees at 12 years of age in this temple. What was better? Having the Shekinah glory fill the old temple, lighting from heaven. Yeah, it was amazing. And everybody saw it. Woohoo! Man, oh, you mean we got to light it ourselves now? (laughs) Why we got to light the fire? Where's the Lord? But what would you rather have? Fancy big stuff? Or would you have rather have Jesus on the steps of your fortress? Man, I'd rather have Jesus any day around my fortress. Let him build what he wants to build. Let him do what he wants to do. Instead of anything that I built on my own, I'd rather have Jesus any day. This morning, I want to encourage you. If you've been hanging on to something of the past, you've been hanging on to 20, 20 like, man, I, just, I wish I could have done better. I wish I, hey, it's over. Like it is over. We are pushing through. You, you're going to have to let go of what you lost, what you didn't get, what went wrong. And you're going to have to embrace the fact that God isn't done with you. And he's, he's over here somewhere. He's not in the past. He's over here. This is why Paul says, as I'm closing with his thoughts. Philippians 3 says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but this one thing I do. Everybody read the screens or put on your Bible there, whatever. I forget what lies behind me. And I reach out. Do like this right. Put your hands out like this right here. I know it seems silly. You're like, oh man, what, what are you doing? It's like I'm reaching for something. I gotta, you ever had to reach for something? I was working in my attic the other day. I couldn't reach the light. I was like, ah, I can't reach it. What do you do? You keep stretching till you like pull something. Are you stuck or whatever? You, I got it. I got it. You know, I'm like, whew. I was so excited because that attic was hot and it was, I was tired. Trying to get out of that stinking attic. But I got, guess what? I was reaching for it you got to reach out of what lies ahead. And I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. It is not a static, stationary, past walk. It is a future in the road ahead. you got to press out and reach out for whatever God has for you. It's not going to just happen on its own. you got to trust God and step out. So I don't know who you are or what you need or whatever it is that God's put in you. Whatever it is, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a vision, maybe it's something else out there in the future. You're like, man, I don't know how that's going to happen. I believe the Lord would say to you, hey, look, you're probably looking at that thinking, how is God ever going to do anything with this? There's something else the Bible teaches us. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't look down at what you have. God can do a great deal with very little. A little boy with a two-piece fish dinner taught us that, right? I mean, Jesus did some work with some little fishes and a couple of pieces of bread. He can do a lot with small things if we just give it to him.
So why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning just for a moment. You're here today and you say, man, hey, Pastor Jody, <clears throat> I, I, I feel that, man. I feel that and I, I, I need to give the Lord some things in my life. Right now, just where you are, maybe you need to just reach out into the future and just ask God to put something in you again. And maybe you're sitting there looking at what's in the past and maybe it's going to come back. I'm just telling you right now, it's not coming back. Stuff's not going to be the way it once was. You're going to have to move on with what God is doing now and not what he did in the past. And if anything it's done is to help you remove this false sense of security that we built up on our own and trust Jesus. And so right where you are, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, would you give a vision for the future for people in this room, everybody watching online in the name of Jesus? Would you deposit a fresh breath of your spirit in their hearts, Lord, that they can do the thing that you called them to do? And God, may you expand and enlarge their ability to dream again and think about what you're doing and not look back at what they once did or once had in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for those that are here or watching online that don't know you. I pray that today they would turn to you. <clears throat> so if you're in this room or watching online, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You say, I need to come to Jesus today. I need to give my heart to Christ. Right now, I wanna pray for you. <clears throat> and all you gotta do is just repeat this after me. Just say something like, I'm, I'm gonna say right here, the whole church is gonna pray with you right now. Just pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. I give you my life and I give you my soul. Lord, I ask you, to refill me and to refresh me and to help me look ahead. In Jesus' name, I accept you as my Savior. <clears throat> amen. Amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? <clears throat> Man, so we'll speak this over you before we go today. If you prayed that prayer, We'd love to get in touch with you and help you get started walking with God. Simply follow the things on your screen right there, connect.cornerstonerome.com. Same thing with you guys of you in this room right now. We just want to help you get started walking with God. If you need Bible devotions, those are online as well. And those are available for you. They're in this room outside as you leave today. I encourage you pick up some of those and utilize the tools that we've created for you. But in Numbers chapter 6, the Bible says to speak this over the people of God. And he says this in number six, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart and that's Jesus. See you next time.